Father, we thank you for tonight as we come before your holy word. We pray that tonight we will receive an impartation. Father, we pray that may we be doers of this word and not just hearers only. We thank you that our faith will be engaged in this word, that it will profit us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, did you all enjoy your Valentine's Day? I hope you all did something special to keep the sizzle in your union. We bless God for love anyway. Some people always like to argue about whether or not Christians should celebrate it or not, or should the church indulge in that. Amen. Uh, I think at this point in our Christian life, we should move past this small talk. Amen. All right. Uh, today and next week's teaching are by popular request. Sometimes it's okay to buy into feedback, and it's a blessing. I know sometimes pastors, we like to say that the Spirit of the Lord said that uh, today's teaching is just by popular request and we are going to do that. Amen. So today we are going to deal with dealing with hindrances to a personal quiet time. In the spirit of all that we have studied um, the past five or so weeks or six weeks now, I think it's very prudent to talk about this. Amen. Because you can learn about how to study the word. You can learn about how to read the word, prayer and all that stuff. But sometimes people will have all this knowledge, yet they are hindered and they are encumbered. And today our assignment tonight is we are not just going to talk about the hindrances and it will just be glaring. But we are also going to talk about corrective measures on how to deal with those hindrances so that we can effectively have a personal quiet time. Amen. I qualify the word personal because it should be you alone. So what is a quiet time? I know there's runs around Christian circles. <clears throat> Excuse me. <coughs> Bless me. It's not COVID. <laughs> Now, what's a quiet time? A quiet time is a time of solitude you spend with God through prayer, reading and studying the Bible, and meditation. I believe we, should, so we all should have a time of solitude where we'll spend time with God. So that's what a quiet time is. And a quiet time is one of the most important and effective habits every Christian has to develop. Amen. And in moments like this, we do experience an impartation. So before we deal with the hindrances, let me just talk about a few out of the many things you receive during your quiet time. Number one, a daily quiet time makes you draw near to God. It makes you draw near to God. When you read James, James chapter 4, I'm sorry, James chapter 4 verse 8, the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, sometimes people can feel God is so distant from me. It's because you are not drawing near to him. Well, one of the ways to draw near to God is through a quiet time. So quiet time makes us draw near to God. Spending time in God's presence. Praying, reading, studying the Bible, worshiping the Lord with music on, meditating. It makes you draw near to God. And you will feel the presence. And when God draws near, to, draws near to you, you really experience his presence. You know, there, there is something called the presence of God. You just have to experience it. No matter how much we teach it, if you don't experience it, it will never become real to you. Amen. There is something as real called the presence of God. But draw near. And you draw near, he will also draw near to you. Amen. The second thing that you experience is that a daily quiet time makes you fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Look, this is very lacking. Many believers don't know how to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Like I said, it's not abstract. It's very real. It's very tangible. And when you read John chapter 16, verse 13, I think I'll read this one. It says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, 
He will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit desires to have fellowship and communion with us to the point that he will tell us of things to come and he will guide us into all truth. But that will only happen if you make time. You don't have a quiet time. You are never going to experience this. That's why sometimes when certain people can say things like, the Lord spoke to me, I heard the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart. It sounds so weird, like, what is he talking about? Because people make time. You know, it, it just doesn't happen. It's not an abracadabra thing. It's not just magic. It is something that happens by time. Make time with the Lord. When you make time with the Lord, you will be susceptible to his leadings. You will be susceptible to his prompting. You will be susceptible to his direction. And of course, you will be able to distinctively know his voice. Amen. So, a quiet time makes you fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Anybody who is able to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, it's not just magic. It's because he spends time with God. And that's one of the many benefits that happens. Amen. Number three, a quiet time is an opportunity to acquaint yourself with and in the word. Okay, so you acquaint yourself with the word, you acquaint yourself in the word. A quiet time gives you the opportunity. I tell you, it's one thing for Pastor Steve to preach to you in a church setting. It's another thing to also sit down and have your Bible carved out a certain quiet time just to read. The impartations can be very different. I'm telling you the gospel truth. You can pick the same scripture that Pastor Steve has preached on and when you read it, the Holy Spirit will begin to show you certain truths and uncover certain mysteries that even the preacher might have not said. So quiet time gives you the opportunity. So it doesn't matter whether it's 15 minutes you will carve aside I want to read the word or 30 minutes I want to read the word with no, inter- with no interruptions. Phone is on, do not disturb. I'm not receiving any calls. TV is not on. Just me and God. There, there is a very added niche that, that comes with it. God will speak to you. Definitely, he will speak to you. Amen. You know, when Joshua was re- received this commandment, this book of the Lord shall not depart out of, your, out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Do you think Joshua was to do that in the presence of the people he was leading? No. He was to have a quiet time to do it. Then the word will become a blessing to him. There is called quiet time because it has to be bereft of noise, bereft of disturbance, bereft of interruptions. Just you and God. And whatever you may be doing, either you are reading a Bible or even a book or studying, whatever. So make that time and acquaint yourself with God's word. Amen. And then number four, a quiet time is an opportunity to spend time with God in prayer. Many people don't pray because they don't make the time to pray. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. I read this in the NIV, the International Version. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark. So something like our weather today. I think we can all relate, right? <laughs> Uh, sometimes in the morning it's still dark, like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., it's still dark. It will say the weather that sunrise is 5 o'clock, but when it's 5 o'clock, it's still dark. It's not, the sun hasn't risen yet. Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So just let me know that probably Jesus was sharing this house with somebody. So probably I had to move in the morning and leave the house go to a solitary place, a place where he could be alone and then pray. So a quiet time gives us the opportunity to spend time with God in prayer. Amen. And the more we do these things, the more we will know Christ. In our year of knowing Christ, let us strive to know Christ. Amen. And, and one of the paramount ways by which that can happen is through a daily quiet time. Like I said, we could go over many benefits, blessings, advantages of a quiet time, but for the brevity of time and for the subject matter at hand, I just want to give you this few. Amen. So let me run through it again. A daily quiet time makes you draw near to God. A daily quiet time makes you fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 
A quiet time is an opportunity to acquaint yourself with and in the word. And number four, a quiet time is an opportunity to spend time with God in prayer. So now let's look at the main phase of our teaching today, which has to do with one, dealing with hindrances, and number two, how to deal with hindrances. So go with me to Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Daniel 6, verse 10. And I'm reading. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, so please just write the scriptures down, okay? I, I just mentioned it twice, then I start to read because I want to read quite a number of scriptures today. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. As was his custom since early days. I'm reading New King James. So the last six words are very important. The last six words of this verse are very important. As was his custom since early days. So the first hindrance to a daily quiet time is poor time management. Now, if, if you read this um, scripture very carefully and in context, Daniel had experienced an ascent in his personal life at this time. He was promoted. You know, if you read chapter 1, Daniel was a slave. He was a young Hebrew slave boy who was chosen by Nebuchadnezzar. He had favor with his friends uh, to serve in the palace, okay? He had to learn the language of the Chaldeans, literature of the Chaldeans, and all that stuff, all right? And then he, he integrated himself into the system of Babylon. Now, at this point, Daniel had been promoted. You know, there were 120 satraps. And who is a satrap? A satrap is just a local ruler. So let's put it in today's context. A local ruler is a mayor. Okay? You, you have a mayor of every city. That's a local ruler. And the, the mayor reports to the governor of the state. So there were 120, let me use this word, mayors. And Daniel was one of the three governors that oversaw the 120 mayors. So that's a huge position. Daniel was walking in the corridors of power. But there was one thing about Daniel. Promotion didn't even change his schedule he had with God. You see, when he was a Hebrew slave boy, he prayed three times a day. When he, when he worked in, in the government of Babylon, he prayed three times a day. When he was promoted to become one of the three governors over 120 mayors, he still prayed three times a day. It speaks to me about Daniel had proper time management. He managed his time very well. Because being a governor, being in any sensitive position of power requires a lot of time. It's, it's, it's very, you are very busy and all that. I, I follow my mayor on, on Twitter. <clears throat> Every minute he's doing something, talking, this, that, blah, blah. So I can just imagine. It's, it's tough. Even just being a mayor, the sort of work you have to be doing. Can you imagine? I mean, when the snow came, there were power outages somewhere. He's always updating. I'm going here, blah, blah. He will take a picture. Everywhere he will go, he will take a picture to let you know he's really been there. He's not just saying it and writing. It's busy. It's tasking. Follow the governor. He's always doing something. Always having meetings. Always having Zoom meetings. Always on call to the Capitol Hill. You know, so it's a lot of work. But Daniel, with all this work, with all the pressing demands of his job, he still made time to pray three times a day as if he was a slave. Proper time management. And many Christians miss out on the blessing of a quiet time because of poor time management. Sometimes they can have time for everything else except God. So that's a hindrance. So that's, that's majority of Christians is poor time management. They can't schedule a time where they will say they will do it. So that's a hindrance. So now let's look at the solution. How do you correct this? Sit down and draw a calendar. You have to be very strategic with your time and also be specific when you do it. You know, don't be vague. 
Because now you say, well, I want to do morning devotion in the mornings. That's vague. There are many hours in the morning. Okay, so which part of the morning? So let's say Monday to Friday, 6 to 6.30 a.m. Set a time and then do it. Right? So don't just say, oh, I'm going to do my morning devotion in the mornings. What time of the morning? Which hour of the morning? State your day and state the time. Be specific with your time. And then I say, okay, then weekends, I'm going to do it at noon because I'm home. Maybe weekends, I'll do my morning devotion at, I'll do my quiet time at 12, 12 midday. I want to sleep in. I want to eat breakfast, blah, blah. I won't go to work. I'll do. And, and Sundays, I might probably do my quiet time at night. Have schedule. That's the thing. Many Christians don't have schedule. But we have time for everything else. And let me tell you, one of the battles that you are going to be fighting as a Christian is to make time for God. The devil will fight you nail and tooth. So if you are not a bit strategic and a bit organized with your time, he will just defeat you. Amen. So sit down and dry calendar. So please today, if you, if you don't have time, sit down, draw your time, No. What am I doing? What am I not doing? Where is time going? Be, be a good steward of your time. Be a good steward of your time. Amen. Invest your time. They said there are three things you can do with time. You can either spend time, waste time, or invest it. Invest your time. Invest time means you have a macro view of what you are doing. Investing time means you draw your schedule and you don't allow people to come in with their knee-jerk responses and reactions to change your schedule. That's investing time. Invest, invest your time. Know what you want to do. Spending time is on a day-to-day basis. But we have to move from on a day-to-day basis to probably planning things a week ahead or even a month ahead. If, if you can do that. If you can. Amen. So let's do that. Number two, pray for the spirit of wisdom. Pray for the spirit of wisdom. And I want to read the scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. This is what the spirit of wisdom will let you do. And I'm reading this in the Amplified Classic. Look carefully, then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately. Not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people indeed. Making the most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish by understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. You see, when you are wise, you are not vague. You are not vague. You, you are detailed. You are very meticulous. So, pray for the spirit of wisdom. Sit down and draw a calendar. Okay, I'm going to spend 30 minutes to do morning devotion. I'm going to spend 40 minutes to do quiet time. Whatever. Whatever time. That is really up to you. If it's 15 minutes that you have, be consistent with your 15 minutes. If it's 20 minutes that you have, be consistent with your 20 minutes. If it's 30 minutes you can do, do that. And if you can do an hour or two, what a blessing. But sit down and draw your calendar. And then it will inform. So when I wake up, I have breakfast, blah, blah, blah. I want to spend this time just to pray. Draw the calendar and stick to it and do it. Amen. So you have to be strategic and be very specific with your time. And number two, pray for the spirit of wisdom. And the effect of the spirit of wisdom is that you, you walk judiciously, minding the use of your time. Amen. Let's look at the second hindrance. Matthew chapter 26, verse 40 to 41. So we all got the first point, the, the hindrance, and then the solution. Right? So now let's look at the second one. Matthew chapter 26, verse 40 to 41. I'm going to read this in the message, the message translation. When he came back to his disciples, he found them sound asleep. He said to Peter, can't you stick it out with me a single hour? Stay alert, be in prayer, so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you are in danger. There is a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God. But there is another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. This brings me to my next hindrance, spiritual laziness. Spiritual laziness. 
Now, mind you, do you know who Jesus was talking to? Jesus was talking to Peter, James, and John. Prior to these people becoming full-time disciples, their previous occupation was fishermen. So these people, they were not lazy by any stretch of their imagination. Like physically speaking, these guys were not lazy. One of the hardest jobs to do is fishing. You know, there is an art to fish. You don't just cast your net. There is an art to cast your net to fish. That's one. Fishing also has a scientific aspect to it. You have to prospect the times by which you can catch a fish. So it's scientific too. And it also involves labor. It involves strength. Do you know the strength that it takes to push your canoe or a boat from the shore to the sea? No, these people worked hard. They worked very hard. These were hard workers. And even transitioning from a hard job to becoming a disciple of Jesus was also no easy feat. Look at the traveling they did. Look, look at the, the physical labor in which they were involved. So when Jesus was addressing laziness in this translation, he wasn't addressing their physical laziness because they were not lazy. These were hard workers. But spiritually speaking, they were lazy. They had no impetus. They had no drive to connect with God. So sometimes when you are talking about spiritual laziness, it might be very opposite of your nature. Maybe by nature you are a hard worker. You can easily do 12 hours. You are doing 60 hours. You are clocking 60 hours in and out every week. Or 72 hours in and out every week. But spiritually speaking, you are lazy. You can't pray. You can't maintain that connection, that fervor, that fire, that desire with God. is spiritual laziness. And that's what happened to these disciples. Physically speaking, they were hard workers. They worked hard. They were responsible people. But spiritually speaking, they were lazy. Jesus says that there is a part of you that is eager. But there is another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. The spiritual laziness is real. It's real. There are some people, they have time, but they are spiritually lazy. They have no desire, no impetus. But they have time. It's not a problem of, do I have time? They have time, but they just can't do it. They can't pick up the Bible to read it. Spiritual laziness. They can't just seem to get in the mood to pray. Spiritual laziness. When they start praying, they get very disinterested, very bored, and they become very distracted. Spiritual laziness. So now, what's the solution to this? Be honest to God that you are spiritually lazy. And Ask him to fill you with his desire for the word and prayer. Just be honest to God. Lord, I'm spiritually lazy. I have time, but I am spiritually lazy. Fill me with your desire for the word and prayer. And he will. God answers that prayer. Psalm 23 verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. That's what God does. That's what God does. He is able to give you a desire for green pastures. No, green, green pastures is the meal of sheep. And as Christians, our meal is the word of God. All right. Thank God for cabbages. But this is also your meal. It's a main meal. And you need to, for you to love this word. It's not a natural desire. It's a spiritual desire. So pray to the Lord. Tell him to give you a desire for the word. Okay, there, there are no secular tactics you can employ to like the word. It's a spiritual, it's solely a spiritual thing. Tell the Lord to fill your desire with the word. With the word. Now there is a scripture, Psalm 37. Let me open Psalm 37. I just remember this. Psalm 37. Verse 4. I've, I've looked at this in the Hebrew before. It says, 
Delight yourself also in the Lord, and it shall give you the desires of your heart. When you look at this word give, it also means exchange. So, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall exchange the desires of your heart. That means he will take away the carnal desires of your heart, and he will give you his desires, which will become your desires. You understand? So, delight in the Lord. So pray, Lord, I want to delight in you. And delighting in the Lord is not a natural, it's not a natural thing. It's not a natural response. It's a supernatural thing. Nobody is born to delight in the Lord. It's a supernatural thing. Pray about it. Lord, help me to lie down in green pastures. Make me desire your word. Let me desire to spend time with you. Pray about it. Be honest to God. You have to say to yourself, Lord, I need help. I am spiritually lazy. I need help. Lead me beside the still waters. Lead me to lie down in green pastures. So just be honest to God and pray. And God will hear prayers, okay? The Lord says something in James chapter 1. He says that if you ask for wisdom, I'll give it to you without finding fault. NIV. And that goes for everything. So when you have a shortcoming and you come to the Lord, he will not find fault with you. He will rather extend mercy. He will extend grace. He will extend empowerment. Amen. So we should never be afraid to go to God with our shortcomings. He is rather more impressed and happy to help us with our shortcomings so that we can become more like him. Amen. Number three. Not knowing how to pray or read the Bible. Let's read Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 34. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 34. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before a sharer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and he would declare, and who would declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the Ethiopian eunuch was reading Isaiah, right? This, this portion of scripture is, is in Isaiah. So the Ethiopian eunuch was reading Isaiah. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Amen. So this leads me to my third point. Not knowing how to pray or how to read the Bible. Amen. This could be a hindrance. If you don't understand something, you you will stop doing it. Let's let's be honest. It can be a, a, a major turn off. You know, I give credit to this utopian eunuch. Me, I don't like reading things I don't understand. I mean, after two minutes, I'll throw that thing in the bin. It's too much. But he was reading. He was reading. And he didn't understand it. I'm like, he had hope. You know, so I give him credit. He was reading and reading and reading. You know, until Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? He said, no, I don't. I'm like, wow, why do you keep on reading? Amen. So he did very well. He, he stayed with it, even though he never understood it. Probably it was cracking his brain. But the point of the matter is that not knowing how to pray or read the Bible can be a turn off. Why would you do something that you struggle with and don't understand? That can be a major turn off. There are some people who really want to have a quiet time of prayer and reading the Bible, but they don't understand what they are reading. They don't know how to read the Bible. And that's a, that's a real genuine concern. It's a real genuine concern. And that's why this year, the first teaching of our Medic Bible study was how to read and study the Bible. That's it. So that it will eliminate this third hindrance. 
So what is the solution? You can read books that talks about this. So now there are many books that teaches you on how to have a devotional and all that, what it means, how to read the Bible, how to read meaning to all, all those. There are many, there are many resources out there. And let me read another scripture. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. So this is in the case of reading the Bible. Let me read one in the case of prayer. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as you taught John, just as John also taught his disciples. So you see, the disciples had a genuine concern. How would they pray if they don't know how to pray? You see, so they asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus taught them how to pray. And when you read from verse 2 going, he gave the popular creed there, which is known as the Lord's Prayer. He taught them how to pray. Amen. So, teaching solves not knowing how to. Teaching solves. In ICC New Jersey branch, I don't think we have that excuse. By the grace of God, we have been taught how to read, how to study the Bible. Prayer has been taught extensively by Pastor Jessica and me. You know, so I don't, I don't believe that we have that excuse. We, we have that problem or that excuse. Amen. Is dealt with by teaching. So in both cases, in Philip's case, a teacher was sent by the Holy Spirit to help the Ethiopian eunuch. In the disciples' case, Jesus taught them. So teaching is a fundamental key that sustains. And sometimes one of the best ways to also find teaching is through good resource material. Amen. So I, I pray that that hindrance is overcome. Amen. But but in some cases, it's it's a struggle. People want to read the Bible. They don't know how to read the Bible. People want to pray. They just don't know how to do it. And if we come across such people, please, let's have a servant's heart to teach them. Okay? So that they don't know how to do it. You know how to do it. It doesn't, it doesn't just come natural. People need to be taught how to do it. Amen. So the solution to this is teaching or reading. There are many resource materials. Type on YouTube on Google. you get some good resource apps. Even the YouVersion Bible app, it has some very good resource apps that can gently walk you on how to read and study the Bible, how to pray and all that. So there are, there are many resource materials available everywhere that deals with the issue of ignorance or lack of understanding when it comes to the areas of prayer and reading the word. Amen. Number four, not knowing what to pray for or read. That can also be a hindrance. So the third hindrance is not knowing how to pray or to read the Bible. Then the fourth one is not knowing what to pray for or read in the Bible. Okay, so let's go to Romans chapter 8 verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be added. You know, I, I think the old King James uses the word infirmity. So there is a weakness. And what is that weakness? It's not a physical ailment. The inability to know what to pray for when you are inspired to pray. It's a weakness. So sometimes you want to pray, but you don't know what to pray for. And that is why the Holy Spirit comes in. And it's for this reason why the gift of speaking in tongues has been given to us. It solves the problem of not knowing what to pray for. I tell you, there are many instances in my life where I've heard the word pray. I don't know what I should pray for. But I just start speaking in tongues. This scripture is fulfilled. The Spirit helps me in my infirmities. He helps me in my weaknesses by making intercessions. Even though I don't know what I'm praying about, but I'm just praying. Thank God I speak in tongues. But if you don't speak in tongues and you just want to pray with your understanding, what are you praying for? Yes, I mean. So that's a problem. Now, this is in the context of prayer, but it can spill over when it comes to Bible reading. 
Sometimes people don't know what to read. And that is a problem. They want to read the Bible, but what do I read? Is it the book of Genesis? What do I read? Is it John? I'm fed up of reading John. I've read John several times. What do I read? Is it so that's also a problem. So what is the solution? Subscribe to daily devotional plans. That helps. Example, our daily bread. It gives you systematic Bible reading. You will, you will never have the problem of what to read because you have a plan. You know, this daily, there, there is our daily bread. It's, 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 it's a Bible reading plan for 12 months of the year. Our daily guide. There's also another one called our daily guide. It's also another uh, plan, 12 months of the year. You can read that. So you will never ever lack. What do I have to read? It's already there. You're hoping um, today. What's today's date? Six, is it today 17th or 16th? 17th so you open today 17th there's something for you to read you read it right so have a plan systematic plan or you can go to your U version bible app it has many plans personally i i like to use most of the U version bible app plans i i do that a lot it's good it, it gives you a certain systematic plan or you can draw your own plan by picking out certain books i do that a lot depending on the theme of the year I normally pray, I think like, okay, certain books, when I read them, it will be in line with this theme. And I normally use that for my morning devotion. I, I just do that. Or I'll just use the Bible Bible plan apps straight. Those, 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 the Bible app plans, I'm sorry. Those are very good. So have a plan in place to defeat the hindrance of not knowing what to read. Okay, so that is the best. Have, have a plan. And secondly, rely on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Rely on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit has been given to us. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us in our weaknesses. Please involve the Holy Spirit. Make time for the Holy Spirit. He will speak to you. He will show you what to read. He will show you what to pray for. We read that in Romans 8.26. He intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be added. That's why we speak in tongues. So, speaking in tongues, you are giving way for the intercessory ministry of the Holy Spirit to take over the weakness of not knowing what to pray for. Now, let me read this scripture. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and it's not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. Rely on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who is able to teach us all truth. Amen. How many of us thank God for the Holy Spirit? He deals with the hindrance of not knowing what to read, and not knowing what to pray for. The Holy Spirit. There are many times I have woken up in the middle of my sleep. And I just hear pray. And sometimes I don't know what prayer topic. But I'll just pray. And then maybe a day or two, a day or two later. I may know the reason why I had to pray. It's, it's happened many times in my, in my life. Amen. So that's what the Holy Spirit is there for. So have a plan. There are many Bible app plans that you can use as a guide so that you can have systematic Bible reading. Or you can even order the daily bread, daily guide. Those are free. They don't even charge. They, they, they want to encourage people to read the Bible so you can order them. I think Pastor Jessica had a few of them. So I'm sure. I'm sure she still has them because she had a whole box of them just to help people read and understand the Bible. So you could access her. If you need one. Amen. And then also rely on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Who is the anointing? He will teach you all things. Including teaching you how to pray. What to pray for. And what to read. Amen. So we are coming to the end of our teaching. I've got one more hindrance to deal with. But before that let's just uh, run over again. Today we've spoken about quiet times, okay? 
And uh, I've defined what a quiet time is. A quiet time is a time of solitude you spend with God through prayer, meditation, reading and studying the Bible, and the like. It could, could, it could be many more. We've talked about four benefits, four blessings that comes out of a quiet time. We could talk about a lot, but I just restricted it to four. A daily quiet time makes you draw near to God. A daily quiet time makes you fellowship with the Holy Spirit. A daily quiet time is an opportunity to acquaint yourself with and in the Word. And number four, a quiet time is an opportunity to spend time with God in prayer. Now, we have reached the next phase of our teaching where we are dealing with hindrances and how to deal with them. So, so far, we've talked about four hindrances and how to deal with them. The first hindrance is poor time management. We looked at a solution. What's the solution? Sit down, draw a calendar, be very strategic with your time, and be specific. Don't be vague. So when you say Monday mornings, put the time there and then stick to it and do it. Number two, pray for the spirit of wisdom. We looked at the effect of the spirit of wisdom in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. And I read, I read that to you. So the second hindrance is spiritual laziness. And we looked at that from Matthew chapter 26, verse 40 to 41. And we talked about the solution. Be honest to God about your condition. Ask him to help fill you with his desire for the word and prayer. And we looked at Psalm 23, verse 2. Having a desire for spiritual things is not natural. It's empowered and enabled by the Holy Spirit. So ask the Lord and he will do that. The third hindrance we looked at is not knowing how to pray or read the Bible. And we looked at that in the case of the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts chapter 8 verse 26 to 34. He read what he didn't understand and the disciples didn't know how to pray. And not knowing how to do something, lack of understanding can be a major turn off. Why will you keep on doing something that is a mystery and that is difficult? No, nobody. You can't travel or tread down the path of mystery, difficulties, and puzzles that has no solution. You're just going to give up. Amen. So we, we learned that. Harry realized that teaching in this context deals with the hindrance of not knowing how to pray or how to read the Bible. And we looked at that in both cases. Jesus' disciples being taught how to pray. And the Ethiopian, you know, being taught by Philip how to understand the Bible or even read the Bible. We, we realize that. Amen. We talked about there are many resource materials out there that can teach on how to read the Bible, how to pray, and everything. And we do that. So number, number three is a very pragmatic solution to that. Then number four, we looked at the hindrance of not knowing what to pray or read. That can be a hindrance. Sometimes you don't know what scriptures am I going to read? Or even praying. I feel like praying, but I don't know what to pray for. And we read Romans chapter 8 verse 20. It says that the Holy Spirit has been sent to help us in our infirmity. And what's the infirmity or the weakness? Not knowing what to pray for. So that's why the Holy Spirit is there. Amen. And uh, what, it, it, that problem can spill over to Bible reading. Sometimes you don't even know what to read. And we realize that for you to overcome that hindrance, you have to subscribe to a daily devotional plan that will give you a systematic Bible reading plan. And also rely on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who can teach you all things. Amen. So now we come to our final hindrance and how to deal with that hindrance. And then we wrap up. Mark chapter 9 verse 17 to 24. Mark chapter 9, verse 17 to 24. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? 
and he said from childhood and often he has been has he has thrown him both into the fire into the water to destroy it. but if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us jesus said to him if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears lord i believe help my unbelief so the last hindrance we want to do with is discouragement see, the man was discouraged okay he said i brought you my son you know, I've brought you my son. That is not, not to Jesus. He brought the son to the disciples. I said, I brought him to you. They couldn't cast him out. He, he felt discouraged. He felt very discouraged. He felt so discouraged to the point that he had unbelief. And Jesus told him that if you can believe, all things are possible. He, and he cried. He had tears in his eyes. He said, I believe. Just help my own belief. I believe. So, let me tell you, in this Christian work, you can experience disappointments. You can experience discouragements. It's a long road. There are many things that you experience on this road. When you are expecting God to come through for you, and it seemed he didn't. Because God always comes through for us. He always. Not once has he not come through. But sometimes it may seem he hasn't come through. It can be very dispiriting to your soul. And you will have unbelief right there, if not checked. And when that happens, it becomes very difficult to open the Bible to read and pray. When you reach that point, it's very difficult. So what is the solution here? Be honest to God about how you feel. Let me tell you, the one thing I want you to pick today is that never be afraid to come to God with your weaknesses. Human beings will judge you. God will never judge you. Never. Never for once will he judge you. Be honest to God about how you feel. Ask the Lord in prayer for help. And number two, talk to someone. Because sometimes you cannot really pray. You can't pray. You have no wind to pray. You have no desire to pray because you are discouraged and you, you have unbelief. But talk to someone. So there are two conditions. Talk to someone. Everybody has a friend. Everybody has someone they can at least confide in. Talk to someone. And when I'm saying talk to someone, please qualify the someone. Someone who has the word. Someone who is matured. Someone who is going to give to you the counsel of God's word. That's the person you need to talk to. Amen. Talk to someone. Because you know this father, he was honest. He talked to Jesus. He had tears and said, oh, I, I, I believe I help my own belief. I believe, help my own belief. Amen. So, these are just a few of the hindrances and corrective measures we can take to ensure we have a daily quiet time with God in prayer and through reading the word. Our quiet time will help us to know Christ better. Truly, it will help us. In this year of knowing Christ better, Having a daily quiet time with the Lord, being disciplined about it, will really help. Please, guard against legalism. Don't be legalistic. Don't do quiet times to appease your conscience, else it will become a ritual or a chore. Because there are are some people, quiet time doesn't even become a blessing anymore. It's more like, let me just read the Bible just to appease my conscience of that. No, 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 no. Rather, it should be a gateway to fostering fellowship and communion with God. That's what quiet time should do. So let's say you miss doing quiet time two days, three days in a row. Don't beat yourself. Just pray about it, repent about it, and then move on. That's it. But sometimes you can make quiet time a burden. Feel like, oh, I have to do it to appease my conscience that I've done it. It doesn't become a blessing. It just becomes religious and it becomes a chore. Quiet time has to be a gateway to fostering fellowship and communion with God. Okay, so have rules, but don't be legalistic. Be disciplined, but don't be legalistic. Amen. I think that's all time will allow me to share tonight. Any contributions or questions are very welcome. God bless you.
Does anybody have a question or contribution? I just have a question, please. Okay. Uh, it was on Psalm 37, verse 4. Yeah, so um, I've always uh, gotten this verse uh, taught to me differently. So can you say again what you said about that verse? Sorry, oh, okay. I, was, I didn't want you to say repeat it um, because you were in the middle of explaining your point. Oh, okay. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I said that the word give there in the Hebrew, if you look at it, it means exchange. Which word? Give in the Hebrew. He will give you the desires of your uh, heart. It oh. means he will exchange the desires of your heart. So he will take the desires that don't line up with the will of God and he will give you his desires which line up with his will and it will become your desires. Amen. So that's what oh. it means. Yeah. Okay, so it's that word you yeah, give. Yeah, that word give. Yeah. Okay, it I wish they would have used a different word. Yeah. That's not a word. Yeah. When you look at the Hebrew, it means exchange. So that's okay. it. Okay. Okay, thank you. Okay, so please, tonight, let's make the necessary adjustments and changes to our schedules, if need be, to make time for God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight, as we have heard your word. We mix this word with faith that it will profit us. We thank you that we will be active doers, active hearers of this word. We thank you that we will all begin to have a quiet time from today. And that we will get to know you better. May we say like Paul, that I may know him. Indeed, Lord, this is our year of knowing you. And we thank you that through this discipline and, and through this time that we will carve out, we will get to know you better and experience you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God willing, this Saturday from 7 p.m. to 8.15 we are having our first work of ministry seminar, WOMS, amen? So I'm expecting all of you, 7 p.m. to 8.15. I believe we will have a very great time here, and we are going to learn on the anointing, amen? So two sessions, we have a break, and we are done quickly, time for Q&A. So don't miss it, amen? So God bless you. All right, guys. Good night, guys. Mr. Hayford, I'll send you the, the recording. You cut out, so I'll send you the recording. Okay. I want to ask you about the abortion book that she had you pay. Oh, okay, yeah. Pastor Jessica will, 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 will give it to you. Our daily bread, our daily guide. So, okay. yeah. Okay, you want, you, want, you want one, right? Okay. 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 All right. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. God bless you guys. Okay. Okay. Good night, guys. Mr. Hayford, I will send you that recording.